0: This podcast from Jubilee Church, Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. At six thirty in the evening on Sunday. The 20th of October, 1991, a young teenage preacher waited nervously for the start of the service at Poverest Road Baptist Church. It was his very first preaching engagements, having been berated into agreeing to preach by the enthusiasm of the resident minister. The 19-year-old turned up, appropriately dressed in his best or only suit. With his family, who had turned up to observe this rather momentous occasion, they all stood and joined the small, rather elderly congregation in singing the opening hymn, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, number 23 in the Baptist hymn book. His friend led the service he had planned, and after some prayers, other songs, the offering and the reading, the congregation stood once again for the hymn before the sermon, this time number 588 in Songs and Hymns of Fellowship. We rest on thee, our shield and defender. Now the young preacher was really very nervous. Whose idea was this? Why on earth did he agree to it? Never again, he thought, would he make the mistake of saying yes to this sort of invitation. As the congregation sat, he walked up to the pulpit and began his address. This evening's message, he began, is from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. As the sermon closed, he introduced the final hymn. Number 491 from the Baptist hymn book, Trust and Obey, where there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. He gave the benediction, stepped down from the pulpit, and praised God the ordeal was finally over. As you may have guessed, that young preacher was me. This is the order of service, as it was. It's on a typewriter. (laughs) For the younger members of the congregation, Adam will now explain what a typewriter is. It's like a computer, but you can't erase it. And it doesn't lose stuff. This is the sermon that was preached. How about that? This has survived... The clearing out of my wife at home (laughs) and the clearing out of Mr. Batten in the church office. (laughs) To survive one is good. To survive two is quite miraculous. (laughs) My very first ever preach was from Acts chapter 3. And in our series this morning, we have got to that very same passage in Acts chapter 3. I had contemplated just using my original notes, seeing if you noticed. I don't think any of you were there. Um, and you know, seeing if we uh, just preach the same thing. But I decided on balance that wouldn't be a good thing. Oh, boo, hiss, maybe another time. I thought it would be better if I started afresh and seen what God had for us in, in this season. And as for the thought of preaching in jeans and a casual shirt, goodness me, shock and horror, how times have thankfully changed. Times may have changed, typewriters may have gone, but the Word of God stays the same. Amen, indeed. So if you have your copy with you, perhaps you would like to turn with me to Acts chapter 3. It's funny, it's a a message that, that, though, this message was one that got preached a few times around the local Baptist circuit and some other churches in South East London. And then I don't think I've preached from Acts chapter 3, these verses, since. I think when we've gone through it previously, you know, other people have done that passage. And so I think it's the first time since the writing of the early sermon that I've come to preach from this very same passage. But I've been looking forward to doing it. And uh, to be honest with you, let you in a secret, I made sure on the rotor that I got this passage. Because I thought I'd like to preach it again and, uh, and see what God has for us. So, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful If you are of a certain age and were in church in that era, you may remember a song of this passage as well, where he went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There you go. Thank you for that, Steve. I appreciate your help on that. We are of a similar era and location, are we not? <laughs> but... I've been praying this week and looking at this passage afresh, and I felt God give me four questions that we're going to look at this morning, and they're these. And if you're making notes, I want to encourage you to write these down. In fact, if you're not making notes, I would suggest that you do, and you write these questions down, because... Uh, I feel that they're ones to consider. I'm going to give you some answers this morning, but they're questions that I feel that God has for us at the moment as we look at this passage. And life groups, I'd love for you to look at this this week and to discuss these questions uh, as you meet. Discuss them, pray about them, see how God might challenge you. As for us this morning, we'll see what Scripture is teaching us and how we might answer these questions in a godly and biblical way. So there are these Number one, where have you settled? Where have you settled? Number two, what do you have? What do you have? Number three, how do you walk? How do you walk? And number four, what will you do? What will you do? So where have you settled? What do you have? How do you walk, and what will you do? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for what we have recorded in Scripture. Uh, And we pray now, as we look at this passage together, we consider this occasion of Peter and John meeting with this uh, lame man. We say, God, would you come and be our teacher now by your Spirit, please? We pray that you'd give us open hearts to hear all that you have for us today and that you would speak to us, you would encourage us, you would challenge us. And this morning we pray, oh God, would we you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So question one, where have you settled? Where have you settled? In the account we've read here in Acts, we have a man who's been crippled from birth being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Luke tells us that he was taken here every day so that he could beg and ask people for money as they entered the temple courts. And we find that on this occasion, Peter and John are going up the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, clearly, this is a calculated decision on the part of the guy who, is crippled. Where is he most likely to find a whole bunch of people who might be generous with the resources that they have, who might be able to help him and give him some money? His disability was not only preventing him from working, but also from even entering the temple courts. So here he is hoping to prevail upon the conscience of some good-hearted religious folk of Jerusalem. He had settled outside the community of faith, outside the very place where he could find healing. and We find him asking for something here. An older translation has him asking for alms, i.e. charitable donations that were given to the poor. If you've heard this, heard this you know, passage preached on before, you will have heard it said, he was asking for alms but was given legs. Oh, come on, I was expecting more than that. I'm sorry. You know, I, 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 you know, I thought about that for some time. <laughs> so he was asking for money. He, he was begging. He, he was asking the people as though going into the temple, that they might be a support to him. But do you notice he's not asking for his situation to be radically changed? He's not looking for total transformation. He's not asking for healing. His expectation is only that he might be given some money in order to be able to eat and look after himself. I would say he's settled. And he's settled for less than what God intended for him. But listen, before we're too quick to criticize the guy and say, oh, he's he's settled for too less, what do you think he's doing? Before we say that we would be so different, let me ask you a question. And it's this. Where have you settled. This guy had settled for the wrong thing in the wrong place. But friends, are we really any different sometimes? I wonder in what ways have you settled for less than God intends for you? In what ways have you just thought, well I guess I'll just set up camp here. It's not really what I hoped for It's not really what I wanted. I don't think it's really necessarily what God has for me as the best, but I sort of know where it is. I sort of know how it is. I sort of get life like this. And you've sort of made camp in that place. In what ways have you settled for less than God intends? He had settled for no healing. He'd settled to be crippled as he had been from birth. That's all he knew. All he was able to process, maybe. He was trying to make the best of that which was a bad situation. But he had settled for something less than God intended for him. And just on this whole area of healing... Have we settled for less? Have we settled for less than God intends? Maybe you're not crippled. Maybe you're not unable to walk like he was. But listen, are you experiencing the power of God to heal those who are sick in your world? Do you know the vibrant healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ available to heal those who are around you? Is this something that you are ministering in, something that you know about? As you read through the New Testament time and time again, we find Jesus healing the sick. We find the disciples healing the sick. We find the early church bringing healing to those who so desperately needed it. What's our experience? I wonder, friends, have we settled for less than God intends? Have you perhaps got comfortable in your Christian life, settled but not pushing on for more, that which God has for you? Have you perhaps settled to see the poor and the vulnerable in our society treated as outcasts? Have you settled saying, but that's just the way it is. There will always be the homeless among us. There will always be the poor and the needy. That's just how it is. Have you settled? Have you settled saying, you know what, we just seem to live in a culture that isn't very responsive to the gospel. Not many people seem to get saved these days. That's just how it is, really. Have you settled for that? Have you settled for these things? You know what, this morning I want to say, let's not settle. Let's not settle for anything less than we read about in this book. Because I don't know about you, but I read it and think, wow, what must it have been like then? Jesus looks at it and says, wow, what could it be like now? You know, friends, we so easily settle for less than God has for us. I want to challenge us this morning. I want to challenge myself and challenge you saying, do not settle for less than God intends. Sometimes we settle because we don't think there's any other option. I guess that was true for the lame man. In his paradigm, in his world, there was probably no other option available to him as he saw it. I doubt if he even realized that healing was an option or a possibility for him. Maybe he'd heard of Jesus. We're told that he was taken here every day. So maybe he'd heard of Jesus. Maybe he thought, it's too late. Is not around anymore. Don't settle assuming there's no other option, no other possibility. The world is not changed by people who settle, the world is changed by pioneers who say it's not okay. It's not what I see here. It's not what I read about. It's not what God says to us. And I want to see something different. And no matter what your previous experience, no matter what the culture might say to us, no matter what your, what your history might say to you, I want to say this morning, what does God's Word say to us? What does this book say? What would God say to us this morning? Where have you settled? Where have you settled? My second question is this. What do you have? What do you have? You notice as you read through the passage here that a lame man asks Peter and John for money. He knew what he wanted, or at least he thought he knew what he wanted. (laughs) He wanted cash. He wanted to be able to live and eat. But Peter and John were clear that this was not something they had. Silver and gold, I have none. They didn't go on to sing, but the, 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 you know, the idea is the same. It's like, no, I'm sorry, I have no money. Can't help you there. Can't answer your request. Can't provide for you in that way. However, and this is the important bit, Whilst they didn't have what he asked for, they did have what he didn't ask for. And they did have exactly what he needed, even though he didn't know it. They were totally confident in God's ability to bring healing to this man, weren't they? There wasn't any doubt about it. There wasn't any discussion about, well, should we pray for the guy? Well, I'm not sure, really. How do you think he really wants to be healed? Well, I don't know. Should we give it a go? Well, I don't know. What's his level of faith? There was no conversation about that. It seems it was quite clear, quite quite straightforward. Silver and gold, I haven't got any money, but listen, what I have, I give to you. They knew exactly what they had. They knew that they had a relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ. And it was this relationship that gave them confidence to say what they did. They knew what they had. So friends, the question for us this morning is this. Do you know what you have? Do you really know what you have? In John 6, we read about one occasion where people were starting, or some people were starting to desert desert Jesus. And this is recorded for us, John 6, 67. Jesus says, you don't want to leave too, do you? He asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God's. And it's that phrase, Peter, was so clear. You have the words of eternal life, Lord. But you know what? Now we are carriers of those words. We know those words. Friends, most of us here this morning have heard those words countless times. Many of us here this morning have sat in churches like this or others and heard similar words over many years. We know about the words of life. We've heard them. We may have even communicated them ourselves. We know about the good news of the gospel. But do we really know what we have? Do we really live in the good of it and bring it to those around us? Can you now have the ability to share this wonderful good news message with people around you, to communicate God's love, His grace, and to bring hope to people. You are a carrier of hope. You are a bringer of life because you have a message that God has given you that is a message of life and hope and grace and love. And Jesus at work. Isn't that good? Isn't it good? Do you know you have it? And as well as that message, you have the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Luke 9 says this, verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to reclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were sick. Jesus gave his disciples power and authority. They weren't just to go out in their own strength. They went out in his strength, with his power and his authority. It wasn't just to go out and see what happens, guys. Just see how you get on. Have a go. <laughs> (laughs) See see if it works for you. No, no, no. He gave them power and authority. I guess it must have been quite daunting for the 12. (laughs) They'd been hanging out with Jesus for a while. They'd been seeing what he did, watching and learning and observing all that he said. But now it was their turn. Now they were going out without him. A mix of nervous anticipation filled the air. Excited chatter and then silent panic set in. You can probably imagine it. How was it for them? Well, listen. Same Jesus. Same power. Same authority. Friends, do you know what you have? Do you know what you have? Or to put it another way, do you know who you are? a son, a daughter of the King of Kings. Do you know what you have? We well, don't need to hold back, nervously wondering if this is for us in this day and this age and this time. Same Jesus, same power, same authority. Amen? Amen? What do you have? What do you have? Question three. How do you walk? How do you walk? Now, this might sound like a trick question, but trust me, it's not. It really isn't. How do you walk? Well, it's something like this. This is profound, isn't it? Aren't you glad you got up for this? How do you walk? It's something like this. You take a step, you put one foot in front of the other, and you walk. Most of you have been doing that from birth. Some of you have had periods of time, like Jonathan at the moment, where you have some some help with that, and maybe a bit of a limp along the way. I've had plenty of knee surgery. I had to learn to walk again having some, some quite considerable time in plaster and uh, with operations that I had to literally learn what to do and learn to put one foot in front of the other. Oh, I wonder if it will work. I wonder if it will take my weight. Can I do it? Oh, I can. and oh, I can walk again. How do you walk? You have to take a step. No step. No walk. If a bird wants to learn to fly, How does it do it? It doesn't do it by sitting around in a nest thinking, I'm flying now. No, you're not. You're in a nest. How does it know if it can fly? How does it learn to fly, in fact? It learns by getting out of a nest. Or actually, to be more accurate about it, very often it learns by its parent pushing it out of a nest. And boy, then does it learn to fly. Because it has to. Do you remember Peter and Jesus walking towards the boat on the water? Peter's like, hey, can I do that? Jesus is like, yeah, you come. What did Peter do to walk on the water? He had to take a step. He had to get out of the boat. He never knew if he was just sitting in a boat whether he could do it or not. He had to get out of the boat. If you're crippled and want to walk... You've got to take a step. If you want to see sick people healed, you've got to pray for some sick people. Luke tells us that for this particular guy, his healing came to him as he got up. Do you notice that? Look at your your Bible there. Verse 7. Taking him by the right hands. He helped him up. Peter helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. But you notice he had to take a step first. He had to put his faith into action. He had to do something. He had to start to get up. And it's in that moment that God came to him and brought healing. It doesn't seem to have happened by the guy lying there thinking, and Peter and John saying, Well, get up, you're healed in the name of Jesus. And him just sitting there. I think, from what we can learn from this passage in scripture, is if the guy had sat there, he never would have known if he could walk. He might even have intellectually agreed. He might have said to Peter and John, Well, thank you so much for your prayers. It's very kind of you you not got any money, really, but thank you for praying. That's, that's very kind. And off they went. And he would have sat there, and he would have missed his moment in God's. He only discovered his moment in God. He only discovered that God had come to him and brought healing and strength to his legs and his ankles when, in that moment when he started to get up, as Peter and John helped him to his feet in that moment strength came to him wow I'm healed I can walk but it happened as he got up I find it fascinating I really do it wasn't that he just lay there got healed and then got up it's in the moment he had to step out literally literally for him and for Peter and John they had to step out as well didn't they In terms of what they said to him. So, if you want to walk, you've got to take some steps. You want to walk, you've got to take some steps. So, in what area this morning do you need to take a step? Where do you need to step out? Is it in this area of healing, maybe? If you want to see some sick people healed, then. Friends, we've got to pray for some sick people. If we don't pray for any people who are ill, we're not going to see any ill people healed. I mean, it's just logic, isn't it? I think we can too quickly spiritualize the lessons of Scripture. There is a spiritual application here, don't get me wrong. But there's also a very real physical application in healing. Now, we need to step out in all sorts of areas of life and faith, but this particular passage actually is talking about healing, physical healing of a guy who had been lame from birth. He who could not walk being able to walk. I think we'd call that a miracle, wouldn't we? Very, very clearly. My friend Jared Cooper tweeted a quote this week from the 20th century healing evangelist Smith Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth said, I'm not here to entertain you, but to get you to the place where you can laugh at the impossible. I'm not here to entertain you, but to get you to the place where you can laugh at the impossible. What is before you that is impossible? What is your mountain? What is it that's ahead of you that you cannot see any way through? What is it that you're asking God for this morning? What is it that you would love to get to a place of being a laugh at it because God has spoken so clearly? What is that for you? How do you walk? How do you walk? And then finally, question four. So we begin to, to close. What will you do? What will you do? Those of us who are Christians in the West, which if you're a Christian here this morning is, is you, you are well fed, spiritually speaking. You have a multitude of church options within a perfectly realistic drive time. If the church nearest to us is not faithfully preaching the Word of God, chances are there's another one pretty nearby that is. Many of us are fortunate enough to have internet access available to us, which gives us a multiplicity of podcasts and sermons at our fingertips, available in seconds. Being well-taught and well-fed for the majority of us is not an issue. The question for us is this. What will we do? What will I do? What will you do with what the Bible teaches us? All this information, all this biblical knowledge all the books we have at our disposal, all the Christian literature we can read to help us understand Scripture and apply it to our lives, the testimonies of thousands of people who have gone before us that stir us and encourage us in our faith, what are we going to do with it? Is it just going to make us spiritually fat? (laughs) Or do we put it into action and put it into practice? Do you long to be in a church where new people are gathering in every week, where unsaved people are giving their lives to Jesus every Sunday? You want to be in a church like that, anybody? When was the last time that you invited an unsaved friend to church? When was the last time that I invited an unsaved friend on a Sunday? Do you long to be in a church where people are healed on a regular basis? Do you long to be hearing stories of healings on the streets and in places of work in our city? Anyone up for that? When was the last time you stepped out to pray for a friend who's sick? that They might be healed. When was the last time that I spoke to a friend who perhaps didn't know Jesus who was sick and offered to pray? What will we do? What will you do? What will I do? What do we do with these sorts of messages? Listen, guys, I don't say this to condemn us at all. I've just been so challenged this week, so provoked by what I've read, thinking, ah, I think God's speaking to me. And my suspicion is that he might be speaking to you as well. God's word speaks to us and challenges us. It's living and it's active. God himself is challenging us, I believe, to be obedient to Scripture, to be obedient to his voice. So are we listening to what he's saying? Are we prepared to put one foot in front of the other and see if we can walk? Are we we prepared to get out of a nest and see if we might fly. In his commentary on Acts, Phil Moore says this. talking about this passage. He quotes Gandhi, interestingly, says this. Muhammad Gandhi rebuked Christian missionaries by claiming that If Christians would really live according to the teachings of Christ as found in the Bible, all of India would be Christian today. Phil goes on. We shouldn't need a Hindu teacher to remind us of the message of Acts. We are not convinced the towns, cities, and nations of the world that the gospel of Jesus is true through new methods or programs or initiatives. The answer is much more fundamental than that. The answer is just the way we are. It's not about programs and initiatives and methods, good although good though all those things are and they help us. Actually, it's about the living Jesus living through us and us taking him at his word. And stepping out, just as the early disciples did. And found him to be true. Found him to be faithful. Found God to be consistent with what he had promised. So where have you settled? What do you have? How do you walk? And what will you do? Can we stand together? If the band could come back up, please. We're going to pray And I was thinking and praying about how to wrap up this message and um, we're going to pray about it. That's always a good thing to do, isn't it? We'll do that in a second. I thought, well, I can't preach a message about healing, challenge us about healing, and then not offer to pray for the sick. Because that would be a bit crazy, wouldn't it? So I'm going to pray in a moment. And then, as Naomi and the band lead us in our final song, if you are sick this morning, if you are in pain or discomfort in your body, if you are sick, ill, or unwell, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray that God heals. Is that okay? So if you can, you can walk or hop Mm -hmm. down here, as we sing in a moment, and then I'm going to pray, and others of the church will come and gather around you and pray. Is that right? So let's pray together. just going to lead us, and then you can respond uh, if you'd like to receive prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for what Scripture recalls for us. And this morning, God, we say that we don't want to be a people who settle. Lord, forgive us if we're settled for less than that which you intend. And this morning, we make a decision saying, God, we're not going to settle anymore. Lord, I say that I don't want to settle for anything less than what you have for me. And God, I think that will be true for most of us here this morning, that we say we don't want to settle for less than you have for us, Lord. Be it as individuals and families, be it as your church in this place. Forgive us, Lord, if we haven't advanced how you've called us to. If we haven't stepped out how you've instructed us to. God, we say this morning we want to go again. We don't want to settle for anything less than you have for us. We thank you for what you've given us. We thank you that we can learn to trust you and walk in you by taking steps of faith and obedience. And so we pray this morning that we would take these steps of faith and obedience and see you move miraculously in this city in this nation and in the nations of the world we ask it in Jesus name Amen Amen so as we sing, as we worship if you'd like to receive prayer this morning because you are in pain, sick, ill or unwell if you come to the front we'll pray for you